Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Steel Curtain Network editor Dave Schofield coming at you. We're in August. Here we go. Training camp is a week old. The Steelers will be playing a preseason game next week. Friday Night Lights is tomorrow. Man, there's a lot happening. And here we are. We've made it. And let's roll into the 2023 season. I'm excited. I'm ready to talk some numbers. And what we're actually going to talk today, I, I want to kind of wrap a bow on the off season by looking into the season. And I'm looking at it in terms of the salary cap. And the reason I say kind of wrapping a bow on it. I'm going to do. I'm going to see if I can do things a little bit better. I try to improve every year, a little bit better than last year. But the thing is, when when the Steelers reach training camp, I don't always do a lot with the salary cap, uh, with articles and everything of that nature, simply because there's a lot of little nuances that could change things here and there. You're talking about injury settlements that might not be disclosed. That's one that'll that 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 could really change things. I mean, not really change things, but change it a little bit where if enough of them happen that it it could uh, affect the cap some way, then you've got other situations of players being cut, players coming in, dead money was some of those things that could be happening if they were an undrafted free agent, had a signing bonus, little rinky dink things along the way that could mess up my quote exact dollar amount, which isn't really all that exact, it's just as close as I could get. So therefore, I don't do a lot of salary cap stuff, especially when we get to the regular season. I try to keep it up somewhat through the preseason, but maybe not to the same degree. But since training camp's just getting started, I figured this was a time I'm going to say this is the state of the Pittsburgh Steelers salary cap as things are going. And we'll talk about stuff from camp and everything as we go because of this, but I just thought this was a nice time to do so. I didn't really this week. I'm excited to get into the 2023 preseason and season. I didn't really want to look back or anything like that. And I've had to do that the whole off season of compiling stats and answering your great questions that I got about you know, past trends, looking for looking forward into this one. Like last week when I talked about quarterbacks going in, you know, going into their second year, first-round quarterbacks going into their second year starting where they started more than half the games. How did the offensive stats change? That was last week's episode for the first half of the show. And although that was great stuff uh, to look up then, right now I'm really focused on 2023. And I want to go looking forward to what are the Steelers doing now and what do they need to continue to do, continue to improve, things of that nature. I feel like I'm in, in regular season mindset. So for that reason, I wanted to do something numbers-wise that had me looking forward as at things to come. And I thought it would just be beneficial to go ahead and knock out one last big old salary cap episode talking about that with the Steelers. So we're going to dive into this. And there's a lot of things I'm going to be talking about and explaining because they're important going forward. But the first thing I'll hit you with is I am going to hit you with my salary cap number as of Wednesday evening. (laughs) I'm saying Wednesday evening because in case numbers come out Wednesday night, 
after after I record this because things are always constantly changing. But as of Wednesday evening and the information that we have at hand, here is my exact dollar amount in Steelers salary cap space, which it's mine. And I give an exact amount that I keep. I, I always estimate it in my articles. I'm going to give you my exact dollar amount. And it's very, very close to overthecap.com. There's some other stuff going on with SpotRack that, that that I can get some good information from them that really helps me figure stuff out. But the number that that mine seems to fall in line with more is over the cap, you know, with a couple exceptions. And I can tell you the exceptions for both of them as we go. Here's my number. This is it. This is the number. I have the Steelers, their current cap space with 10 million. $495,801. That's what I have. Now, so if you want to round that off, you really want to know what I would say, $10.5 million. That's about where they are. Because those other dollar amounts, there's so much that goes into there. I even added in the retirement of Monty Potabom. That, because he had a signing bonus, he actually has dead money this year, next year for the Steelers, unless they decide to take on all the dead money in one year, which they they have a, a right to do that if they can. He had a, he had a ten thousand dollars signing bonus, so right now he only has the bonus that would have counted this year count against him at this time, and then everything the rest of it goes over his dead money next year. So it's three thousand three hundred thirty three dollars. I even took that off now. Why is my number slightly different than over the cap? I'll go ahead and tell you what over the cap's number is right now as of Wednesday evening. I'll say that. Theirs is is $10,970,801. The difference there is they are not counting Rental Wren's contract because he was placed on IR. He has a split contract. He's actually not counting his full contract. He's only counting... uh, for the Steelers this year. They don't have that taken off yet. And the reason that they don't is technically they're right because that salary amount is not in the top 53. Or sorry, top 51. It's always not the top 53, but top 51 salaries. So when the Steelers kick in, at the very end of August, where they have to have a 52nd and 53rd salary, which we'll talk about that later in the show, and things of that nature, this number is also going to kick in as well. It doesn't count right now, but I count it because I don't want to have to account for it later. And I know the exact amount. I, they're like, well, why don't you go ahead and account for this 52nd and 53rd salary? Yet? I don't know the exact amount yet. I know when this kicks in that rental rent is going to be $475,000 in dead money. I know it. So because I know it, I'm taking into account now, although it doesn't have to count against the Steelers. When you look at SpotRack, they not only take that into account, and theirs is messed up. They don't have rental rent at four hundred seventy-five. dollars They have him as his full salary. They don't have him with the split contract. I believe that over the cap is correct with that one, that he does have a split contract. So that's why I'm going with that. But they have some other things on theirs that aren't right. They have they have a dead cap hit for Joe Haig. Joe Haig was not under contract into 2023 with the Steelers. So he couldn't have dead money from last year that rolled into this year because he was because you can only have the dead money roll forward if the player was under contract for another year, which he was not. 
So that's why I think they're incorrect. They have a typo. They only have Monty Potabon counting $333. Although if you click on him and his dead money for next year, they have it right. They, they, just missed a, they just missed a number. But another thing that they count against the salary cap right now is they count the signing bonuses, the dead money hit that the Steelers would have from players that aren't in the top 51 rosters right now. You're like, what, what are you talking about? Okay. Like, for example, I'll give you an example. Nick Herbig, fourth round draft pick for the Steelers. He's not in the top 51 salaries right now because that's all that counts for the Pittsburgh Steelers You with the salary cap. That's all that counts for any team right now uh, is the players. The top 51 salaries is what's, what happens until roster cutdowns. So Herbig's on the team. He has a $750,000 base base salary because that's the league minimum for for someone with no years of experience for 2023. That's what it is. But he also had a signing bonus and the his prorated signing bonus over the four years of his contract is $168,230 each year. They the they've already taken that amount off the salary cap space for the Steelers. They took his off. Connor Hayward's not in the top 51. They have his taken off. Any player that had any kind of signing bonus, they have what that prorated bonus is that would be dead money if they don't make it. They start counting that now. Now, if that player is cut, then yeah, that is dead money and it, and it, and it will count. But if that player isn't cut, not only is that money not dead money, the Steelers actually get a little bit back by that salary now being up in the top. 51, unless they're the 52nd or 53rd, which we'll talk about later. So that's one thing that that they do that I don't necessarily look at. The other thing is, is the NFL takes away, they take away all the money that players would be paid in the offseason if they participated in OTAs with the off-season workouts. The players would get paid for that. And that amount comes off of every team's salary cap at the beginning of the league year. But if a team doesn't use it all, they get some of it credit. They get whatever they don't use credited back, meaning players don't show up. Anytime a player's not there, they're not getting paid. Um, if, the, if the team decides not to, to, to use all the days they have to, those things come into play. So I have that money taken off. It should come back sometime during training camp. I don't know if that'll be announced. So that's another one of those things that I just don't know exactly what it is, when it is, uh, unless it somehow gets reported, to then add to my salary cap and number. And that's why I know that I'm kind of at a point right now where what I have, I'm confident in, but it's not going to stay that way. So that's my cap number. That's where they come. Oh, and I should have told you, Spot Rack. Spot Rack's current salary cap number for the Steelers, they have it as 9,525,642. So theirs is theirs is lower, but as I say, they have some they have a mess a mess up in their count and an extra half million for the Steelers that shouldn't be there. They count those those um those prorated bonuses of players outside the top 51, those aren't counting right now. They don't count. That's only coming into account if that player doesn't make the team. So those are some of those things. So that's some differences and a little bit of what's missing from, from various places and how I got the number that I got. Now, that's not the only thing missing from my number. 
because there is yet to be a report on Quan Alexander's salary with the Steelers. He signed last week, you know, the end of last week, coming in late to, to training camp. And there is yet to be reported by what I call a reputable outlet. Because bottom line is if someone else reports it and they're reputable, one of the reputable outlets, like my two main ones are over the cap and spot rack, they will, they'll take that report and they'll put the information in and then they'll adjust it if needs be and everything else. There has not been anything with Quan Alexander. So that's something that could come off of my estimated 10.5 million. But now let's look and see what that could be. Let's look and see what that could be. And you go back and you say, all right, well, you know, he was, he, he saw, he had his rookie contract where, you know, four years with Tampa. Then, then he signed for, for some in, in where New Orleans before he was traded then uh, to, to, to San Francisco. I'm pretty sure that's where that all went to. And he signed a like a, a fifty four million dollar contract when, when he did that. So, but then things didn't get all. I might be backwards there. He might have been forty ers to the Saints. I think, yeah, I think I was wrong. I think he was forty ers first, perhaps, and then to the Saints. But what what happened with that is, you know, he he had higher amounts and everything else. The Saints signed him as a street free agent, where. He ended up being, let's say, um, he ended up having the veteran salary benefit contract. That, okay, I had to get my thought together right to make sure I used the right words. I always want to mix up words whenever I say that. So it's the veteran salary benefit contract. I've talked about these in the past. It's a one-year deal. You basically sign for the league minimum, but it ends up being a reduced rate. You get the league minimum with someone with fewer years of service, and that extra money that the payers played is just counted as a benefit, and it doesn't count on the salary cap. The last two contracts that Quan Alexander signed were veteran salary benefit contracts. They were one year. And it was for the league minimum pay, but he also got the maximum signing bonus allowed in those in those contracts. He did that in 2001 with the Saints. He did that in 2000. I said 2001. Sorry, 2021 with the Saints. 2022 with the Jets. So what I'm going to do for now, I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't put this out in a in a salary cap update article yet because I'm just I'm just guessing. But let's say he signed another deal like his last two deals with the Steelers. Let's say it's another, you know, veteran salary benefit contract. If that's the case, then Quan Alexander is looking at a salary cap hit exactly. Exactly the same as three other players who who got who got one who got this, the veteran salary benefit contract and also got the maximum signing bonus. So I'm going to assume that he gets the maximum signing bonus. Uh, that's like Marcus Golden. That's what he got. Armin Watts. That's what he got. Shannon Sullivan. That's what he got. If that's the case, then Quan Alexander would count one million. 900, not, not 900, $92,000. Sorry. I said dollars already. 
$92,500. There we go. Woo-hoo-hoo. Ooh, man, took me forever to get that out. $1,092,500. That's the salary cap hit for Golden, Watts, and Sullivan. Now, what if you say, well, hey, what if he didn't get the signing bonus? Okay, if he didn't get the signing bonus, then he's in the same deal as a Mason Rudolph. He's in the same deal as, who's another one that? Um, Duke Dawson. Nick K, I'll mess up his last name, so that's why I'm doing it. Miles Boykin, he's another one that signed one of those contracts, but he didn't have the signing bonus. If he doesn't have a signing bonus, his how much he gets added to the salary cap is zero. The only thing that's going to put him over that $940,000, which is the salary cap number of the 55, first salary at this point. So that's what he would bump down. It would be however much more it is above that because that's the the infamous roster displacement. So the only thing that would be above that would be that signing bonus, which would be $152,500. So I'm estimating that's all that Quan Alexander is going to cost. Now I could be completely off on that. I'm just making an assumption based on his last two contracts. That's, that's, uh, I just thought that was a safe way to go. I'm giving him the full signing bonus. We still got to wait and see what that is from the Steelers. So that's one that I haven't taken into account yet. Here's another one that I haven't taken into account yet because it was announced on Wednesday. You've got Alfonso Graham being waived slash injured, and you've got Corey Trice being placed on IR. Now, my Wednesday was thrown into a whirlwind. I'm going to take some time to explain this now, even though it's about time for our break. But I was thrown into a whirlwind on Wednesday because I'm like, wait a second. I talked about this on Scobro. How in the world is Corey Trice able to be placed directly onto IR, onto the reserve injured list? Because the rule and everything that I've researched about the rule and everything that I found says that the rule in the NFL from the beginning of the league year up until rosters are trimmed to 53 players, any player who is not a vested veteran, so you've got to have less than four accrued seasons, any player who is not a vested veteran who is placed on who is placed on IR, can't go directly there, they have to be placed on the waived slash injured. List. They must be waived, which means every team in the NFL has an opportunity to claim them off waivers if they so choose. But they know that they are injured when they are doing it. If the player goes unclaimed, they can't just be cut because they're injured. It doesn't work that way. They're waived injured, which means the rest of the NFL can, could has an opportunity to say, hey, I'll take them even though they're injured. So that has to happen. And the whole reason is to keep teams from saying, oh, no, they've got, you know, a, a, a toe injury. We're going to put them on IR. Yeah, they had, a, they had an ingrown toenail or something like, you know what I'm saying? Taking some kind of very minor injury and placing a young player there because they didn't want to put them on their 53-man roster, but they didn't want to lose them and expose them to waivers. Well, guess what? They're going to be exposed to waivers anyway. So that's why I was really surprised. How is Corey Trice going directly on IR? So I started searching. I'm reading the CBA. I'm trying to find every NFL rules. I can't find a thing. Everything that I find says that Corey Trice should have been on, he should have been waived slash injured, just like Alfonso Graham. 
So I said something about this in the comments to my article at steelcurtainnetwork.com. Yes, check us out there. That's where you'll find the the former BTSC staff writing there, the um, giving you as the uh, as good a content as we can as we work out the all the technical bugs and everything with the website. But I, I've been doing a training camp tracker every day. So if you're looking for for hey, well, where's Dave's tracker that he usually does? That's where it is. Steelcurtainnetwork.com. Oh, where's Dave's players mentioned article that he would do after Coach Tomlin spoke, which is just about every day. Boom. It's at steelcurtainnetwork.com. That's where you have to find it. It's there. I'll have one today. There should be, depends on what time you're listening to this. It's either about to be published or already published. So that, but that's where all of our writings are now. But in my tracker article, I made a comment when people were talking about Trice. I said, I, I said, I can't figure this out. I can't figure out how it was announced. He went straight to IR. And one person, um, and I, I'm going to try to remember their username. I'm pretty sure it's Steelers34D. Great commenter, really knows their stuff. Said something that I then tried to go and 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 corroborate, corroborate there. I got the word out correctly to see if their information was correct. Still can't find it, but I have no reason to doubt this person or what they've said. And that is that the NFL basically has some quote unquote major injuries. There's a difference between if someone's a minor injury versus a major injury, where if it is a, if it is an absolute like season ending injury that the, the teams can, can say this is a major injury to the NFL. They can the NFL would then later look into it to see if it was or not, if they breached anything, and they can put the player directly on injured reserve. I cannot confirm this is the case because I've tried, but you know what? There's got to be a reason somewhere of how Trice went right on IR, and this one is the only one that I've been able to find. So thank you to to Steelers three four D for for let me know that. I really wish I could could figure out and confirm that that is true. But that's the best bet I got. But Corey Trice is going on IR. Corey Trice has a has a split contract. So, well, I'm assuming Corey Trice has a split contract because, for example, Calvin Austin last year had a split contract. So what's his, what, what are you saying split contract, Dave? What do you mean? Oh, a split contract is where, hey, if you're active and you're healthy, you're, pay, you're paid this league minimum. But if you're on IR your league minimum is a different reduced amount. And it's based on your years of service, just like your like the league minimum is uh, for, for when you're active. So that's what's called a split contract. You get paid one thing. If you're, if you are, if you're active, you get played meaning not on, not injured and you get paid a different salary. If you are injured, Cal- Calvin Austin is a fourth round draft pick at a split contract. I'm assuming that Corey Trice as a seventh round draft pick has a split contract. That's just my assumption. So that's something that would be need to come off the salary cap. Now, Alfonso Graham's a whole different story because he's waived injured. He's got to clear waivers. Now, once he clears waivers, he comes back to the Steelers and the Steelers have five days between them and Alfonso Graham to work out an injury settlement where they will pay him X amount of money based on the number of weeks that it was believed he would be out and those kind of things. He's got to work with them and the agent and work out a deal. And if that's the case, he's released with an injury settlement and he is then free to go and sign anywhere. 
the player doesn't have to do it. They could sit back and land on IR for the rest of the season. And for somebody like Alfonso Graham, that's the smart thing to do unless he thinks he can make an NFL roster and, and will be healthy enough to, to be able to play and to be able to make an NFL roster otherwise. Uh, an example last year of, of a player that ended up on IR and didn't have an injury settlement right around the same time of the year was a cornerback, Carlins Platel. Um, and he ended up getting released by the Steelers earlier this offseason. But he spent the entire season on, on IR in a similar situation. So that's something to look for with, with Alfonso Graham within the next week. So he could cost some money. So I don't have those things taken into account. But I will. We're going to look at some of those things as what I call some future expenses because they haven't been out there yet to see what else the Steelers need to do what else they could, how much they're going to need going into the season and what they could do to make sure they get to that amount. That's what we're going to talk about in the second half. Well, I say second half, it's probably about the second third. So stick around. We'll be right back at Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Alrighty, Steelers fans, here we go. We're rolling on talking about the salary cap. I just kind of got on a roll, wanted to mention some of those things. And yeah, then so our break got pushed back. I'll do better next time. I'll try. But I mentioned some of these future expenses, like the players going on IR and, and, and Quan Alexander. So what I decided to do is said, okay, let's let's look at this. One thing that I know for sure with Corey Trice is going to count this year, and that is his prorated bonus, because that's 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 going to be part of his cost um, when, when he's on the reserve injured list. Above that, and rather than him count the league minimum $750,000, he's going to be counting with a split contract, you know, assuming it's a split contract, which I think is a very safe assumption. It's only going to be $450,000. So you've got that. Now, if Alfonso Graham, if he goes on IR – He's going to count $450,000, but he's not going to have that prorated bonus. Trice's prorated bonus, is it's $21,000, $21,109. That's what that is. So you could have both of those guys. Now, that's almost a million dollars right there because the two of them at four fifty, dollars that's, that's $900,000. We also look at Quan Alexander, and I said, I think he's going to be just like, just like the Armand Watch, Shannon Sullivan. Um, contracts that I spoke of. I think he's going to be the $152,500 um, signing bonus. That's a, that that's a, I'm assuming it's going to be that. Now it could have been the Steelers that paid more for him because that's what they needed to do. 
But until I see that they paid more for him than what he got the last two contracts, I'm going to assume that he kind of got the same thing. So with that, the Steelers have more expenses to come off that number just from those things that's just over a million dollars. It's $1,073,609 if, if those are the numbers that they end up being. So that would then drop the Steelers' salary cap space to $9,422,192 if those other numbers are correct. This is me going with what I think will happen. These are all, all estimates that could change. So, okay, well, the Steelers are still at 9.4. That's still pretty good, isn't it? Yes, it is. Now, there's some people who like to take things that the Steelers have to pay for starting in September and count them against the salary cap in March. That makes no sense. The Steelers don't need to save money for their 52nd and 53rd players on the roster in March. You need to have that available at the end of August whenever you have to do those things. Not in March, because guess what? You need to spend your money in March. If you have the money, spend the money. If you're going to need more space for that later, create more space for that later. And that's how we'll finish things off with the show tonight is talking to how the Steelers can do that. But there are expenses that are coming for the Steelers when they cut down August 29th, I believe, or 30th, whatever that Tuesday is right around there. So here we go. Some of the things that they got to do is, all right, so they've got, they've got to then have a 52nd and 53rd player under contract because that's what happens when you get to 53 players. So you've got two more. I estimated this to be $1.7 million all offseason. And they're like, well, what, where'd you come up with that number? I said, okay. Well, I took two players who I thought could possibly make the roster and are probably going to be paid the least. I did, I did uh, Jalen Warren. And then I did the lowest one was I'm like, I'm going to assume that Corey Trice makes the roster. Now, guess what? Corey Trice is now on IR. So my number, I got it to be like 1.65 million. I rounded it up to 1.7 just to be safe. So now the only question is if somebody that's getting a salary or would have a salary cap hit less than what Corey Trice had. I mean, Spencer Anderson, if he makes it, he would be slightly less because he had a slightly lower signing bonus. Any of the undrafted free agents from this year, if they make the team, they would then be that 53rd salary, um, assuming that it's only one of them that does. So there's players that it could be, but let's just say maybe not. But there are a lot of players that that their salary cap hit number for 2023 is it the 870,000 mark that could make the that could make the roster like a Cody White he could make the roster you know you got like a Hakeem Butler he's probably you know one of those two might make it i mean Jalen Warren's only at 874,000 Calvin Austin the third is at 876,000 so i went ahead and bumped that number up in my mind to maybe 1.75 but for now we'll keep it at 1.7 because there's other ways that things are going to get trimmed and, and, and moved that I'll talk about here after I run through the rest of these numbers. Because the, 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 another much bigger expense is the practice squad. Now, when it comes to paying the practice squad, it's now 16 players. Everyone's like, oh, it's great to have 16 players. You know what that does? That eats up more of your, of, of your salary cap. Not a lot, not a lot, but it eats up some of it versus if there was 12 or 10 players on the practice squad. But not only that, there's a variance in there because you're allowed several types of players on the practice squad. You're allowed 
well, obviously, it's not that you're allowed. The majority of your practice squad is made up of players that have always been typically practice squad eligible, which means guys that don't have an accrued season in the NFL. Um, you can have – you're going to need – at least 10 of those, at least 10 of your 16. They get paid a certain amount every week. Uh, and it is, uh, where is where is that? It is 12,000. There it is. I had it written down. $12,000 per week. So you add that up to those players. Then when you talk about your veteran players, where you can have as many as, many as six of those, there's a minimum and a maximum for how much you can pay a veteran player on your practice squad each week. It's not like in years past where I remember some of the Steelers lost guys that they could have put on their practice squad because another practice squad says, hey, come here. We'll pay you more. We'll pay you what a guy on the roster is making. They're not allowed to to do that anymore. That was taken away. Um, I'm pretty sure with the last CBA. So the minimum for a veteran is $16,100, and the maximum is $20,600 per week on the practice squad. And this is regular season, 18 weeks because of the buy and and all that stuff. So when you look at it, if the Steelers had all minimum salary guys, no veterans, it would still cost them $3.5 million for the practice squad for the year. Now, if you look at that, they have all those 10 that have to be on that minimum, but let's say there's six, they had, they carried all six, maximum veteran players at maximum amount at, at the most that they were allowed to pay them. Then you're talking about $4.38 million for the practice squad. So I went ahead and did the 4.38. Just, I think I did 4.3 just to be safe, to make sure you've got enough money there. Anything that they wouldn't use of that goes into the next category, which some people call it various things. You could call it in-season in expensive. You could call it rollover. Um, I like to call it carryover because it, it doesn't say – it's kind of a difference between in-season expensive and rolling over to the next year. It's That money is not set aside simply – to move it into the next year, like some people believe. It's set aside in order to have enough money to do business if you have to. And if you don't, then it gets pushed into the next year. Because anything the Steelers don't spend this year on the salary cap gets moved into next year's salary cap. I set, I used to set aside $5 million for that. But now, the last couple of seasons, I've been setting aside $7 million for that. Because minimum salaries are going up. The... Um, Stuff with the practice squad is there with, with everything. As more the more players that go on IR, the more it sucks into that. That's the kind of stuff that it's doing. Because when a guy goes in IR, even if they have a split salary, yeah, that salary gets reduced. But you then got to pay someone else to come in and take their spot. So that's paying for an for an additional salary. So that that's why anytime a player ends up on IR in, in the preseason, I go ahead and count it now and don't save that to say, oh, that's a carryover expense. I go ahead and count it now. So, I, But I still want to give the Steelers around $7 million there. When you do that and you add up those expenses, what do the Steelers need to roll into the season? I've got it sitting just about $13 million. $13 million is what they would need for the season. Well, and according to my other stuff, they're, they're like nine point four. So that's where they are. 
and they're and what if they want to sign someone else? I don't know. After the Quan Alexander signing, I don't know if people were screaming that all oh, the Steelers need to add a blank. Uh, the big thing was they need to add another inside linebacker, and they did. So now, it, could they need more money than that because the Alexander contract was more? Absolutely. Could some other things play out? Yeah. But you also got to remember, could the 52nd and 53rd contract not be as low? Yeah. But you also got to remember, there's a couple other ways that you could that, that you could save some money. That not that they're trying to, but might end up ultimately being saving some money, and that is what happens if one of your one of the players who has a bit of a bigger contract doesn't make the fifty three man roster. That's one of the things. I'll give you some examples, especially now with the injury to Corey Trice. I don't believe this one, but I'm going. Let's say James Pierre. He had no signing bonus. $1.3 million contract. If he if he doesn't make the 53, that means someone at a lower salary is basically replacing him. That's some savings. But I don't like that example as much. Okay, here's one. How about Gunnar Olszewski? Yeah, he would have the dead money, but that's already in the top 50, 51 right now. Anywho, but if Gunnar Olszewski doesn't make the team, that's $2 million in base salary. And you're probably replacing him with someone with less than a million dollars salary cap. So you're you're talking about you could save a million dollars right there, perhaps, if Gunnar O doesn't make the team. Here's another one that I have to throw out there, and that's Miles Killebrew. Although, is he the Steelers' special teams captain from last year? Absolutely. But it's getting to a point where it's like, can they keep someone that doesn't really give much to the defense just for special teams? That's going to be the big question, but I hate to say it, but maybe the maybe the trice injury there freed that up a little bit more. But he's he's another one. Here here's one. I had another one sitting here at some point. Who was it? Uh, Kevin Dotson. Let's say he gets traded. That would be because I don't think they're going to flat up cut him. That would be two point seven million in his base salary. Let's say Montrevis Adams doesn't doesn't make the the top of the Steelers list for for the defensive line. That would be 2.5. So there's a few players in there that even if it's just one of them that doesn't make the team, that's going to counteract some of these other quote unquote, smaller signing bonuses that are going to be uh, dead money. If these players don't make, make the con make, make the team. For example, I'll just throw out a couple of them. If, it's mainly the undrafted free agents. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say Jalen Warren because that would be a terrible example. Uh, let's say Spencer Anderson doesn't make the team as a as a seventh-round draft pick. Let's say he's more destined to the practice squad. He's going to carry um, all, just under $20,000 in dead money. But that's that, you know, that's $20,000. Uh, the quarterback, Tanner Morgan, he would have $8,333. Uh you know, and then there's some other ones that are a little bit smaller, like uh, like the kicker, BT Porter. According to Over the Cap, he would have a dead money hit of $1,666. So they're, they're small numbers, but they could add up. And those are those numbers that Spot Rack already adds in. But but to me, they get absorbed when you anytime you have a player that's in the top 51 salaries right now for the Steelers that doesn't make the team. That doesn't make the team. Um, for example, uh, let's see someone who, who's up there that, that might not make it. Uh, Braden Mann. Both him and Presley Harvin are in the top 51 salaries. 
So the, the question is, are both of them going to make the roster? No. So somebody there, I think Presley Harvin is, I can't even find him right now. My goodness, where's, where's Big Press? He's missing from my, from, from, from my list, you know. The, but, but, I mean, if, if Braden Mann doesn't make it, that's $1.01 million. And that, so there's a little bit of savings when one of the 940,000 contracts like, uh, like an Anthony McFarland or Braden Fajoko, um, who could make the, or Mason Rudolph, who's right now not even in the top 51, bumps up into it. And there you go. That, that covers all those other, those other ones. Just one move. One one of them like that could do it. Uh, yeah, I found Presley Harvin. By the way, uh, his his salary cap hit um, is nine hundred sixty thousand. So yeah, right now, in case you're wondering, Braden Mann is more expensive than Presley Harvin because he has one more year in the NFL. So those kind of moves are things that will counteract those small amounts. But what if we're still looking at four million dollars? What if the Steelers are still going to need another four million dollars to get into the season? I say that because it, you know, nine point four million after taking into those other things into account, needing to get to thirteen. Let's just say they need four million, and that gets them at thirteen point four. All right, that'd be great. What do the Steelers do? The easy thing is you do a contract restructure. The easy place to do that is one Trent Jordan want. It's exactly what the Steelers did last year. It's exactly what they did last year. They took TJ Watt's salary. They restructured part of it, but they didn't do a full restructure. They waited until September. September. After they did the roster cutdowns, they waited until September, and they restructured TJ Watt for the amount that they needed to roll into the season. If they need $4 million, from from to go into the season, TJ Watt is eligible to be restructured for over twelve million dollars. The Steelers could basically wipe out their all their salary cap, you know, minus a million, you know, minus even a half million dollars right now, and they could just simply fully restructure TJ Watt, and boom, they would have all the money they need. So the Steelers are still fine, but. To me, you take a T.J. Watt and you restructure him because what does that look like? Well, right now, T.J. Watt's salary cap hit for 2023 is $29 million and change. In 2024, it's $30 million and change. In 2025, it's $30 million and change. Well, if you're going to, to restructure him, you're going to take $6 million of his $20 million base salary. Okay, $6 million out of 20. So they could do even more. But if you take that and pop that into a signing bonus, two million of that counts towards this year, two million counts towards the following year, and then the year after that, you save four million dollars right there. That would still only put TJ Watt at thirty-two million dollars salary cap hit for twenty twenty-four and twenty twenty-five. That's kind of where it's looking at. That's where I think that money's going to come from. Now, could they restructure anyone else? Sure, they could restructure Cam Hayward. But to me, that doesn't make sense. He's only got one more year in his contract, and for every dollar they would borrow now, every one of those dollars would be next year. They could do Deontay Johnson. 
It could be Chuksakorafor. I don't think they want to push the can down the road with him because you got to see um, how how much longer he's there. James Daniels is another one that they could that, that they could do, but his wouldn't be enough. They would they could fully restructure him, and his would only be um, about three and a half million dollars. So that wouldn't be enough. So, but you could do one of those other ones. Like Cam Hayward, his could he could have more than seven million dollars, but that would just that would push every dollar into next year, none into the one after. So to me, T.J. Watt restructure have that space, wait until you get down to your 53-man roster. You already have your practice squad signed. You've got everything going on. I'm talking September. I'm talking, you know, a a week after cutdowns or days after cutdowns. And you say, all right, here's where we are. This could be after the Steelers scour the waiver wire or they look at other players that are vested veterans who are cut that they could possibly sign. They could still be tweaking their 53. Wait till that's done figure out exactly how much they need and say, all right, TJ, you ready? Can we pay you some of this now to help us with the cap? What's TJ Watt going to do? Say, no, I want my game check spread out, you know, more money each week rather than than some of the money right now. No, he's not going to do that. So that's where the Steelers stand with the cap. They are in fine shape. Are they over the amount that they need going into the season? No. Do they have places to create that? Absolutely. Who knows? Maybe based on the Steelers' cuts and everything else, they might not even need $4 million. What if it's only three? They might only need $3 million. Then that, you know, that's, that, then they're only doing four, $4.5 million um, as a restructure for T.J. Watt. Uh-oh, what if they need $5 million? Okay, then you're, then you're paying him $7.5 million, and, um, and, and, and that, and that $5 million gets spread out two and a half to each, each of the additional years there. They've got plenty of ways to do that. They are fine. They are great with all that, but I just thought I'd lay it all out for you. What those expenses could be, man. Oh man. I'm like, we'll see if I can get talking about all this salary cap in one episode. Whew, and it was almost two episodes the way I went. Hey, make sure you're checking out steelcurdnetwork.com for all of our writing that I talked about before. Make sure you're checking out all the rest of our podcast. There was a Pump Your Breaks last night. Steel City Insider returned on Wednesday. Let's Ride was yesterday. You have another Let's Ride tomorrow morning. And then, of course, if you love the, the YouTube shows tonight, check it out myself. Jeff Hartman, Brian Anthony Davis, live on YouTube. We've been going sometime between 8.30 and 9 uh, when we can get our business done and get going. So there we are. There's the state of the Steelers salary cap. Next week I can talk about rolling into that first preseason game. Ready to talk some good numbers. I'm ready for new data. Give me some new data that we can crunch because two weeks from now when it'll be fun because we can crunch those numbers from that first preseason game. So, uh That's just how we roll. Thanks for joining me. As I always say to finish out, thanks for geeking out. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. 
Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.